You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. Well, hey, Becoming Me, I am so excited to introduce you to my warrior friend, Lorene. Lorene, welcome to Becoming Me. Thank you, Emily. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to just dive into your story today. And literally since meeting you on Instagram, one of my favorite places to meet new warrior friends, right? I have been so encouraged and inspired by what you post and what you share. And I just feel this like warrior friendship with you. So just thanks for sharing the gift of who you are and who you're becoming. And let's just kick it off with like, introduce yourself. If someone's new to you, who are you? Well, um, I I watched some of the previous stories, so I'm not going to go all the way into it, but a little teaser. Um, Yes, my name is Lorene, as you already know. Um, I I work for an agency that staffs for brand ambassadors. That's my day job. Um, But on the other side, I am a woman who just wants to pursue God's heart and help introduce other people to his grace. And so whatever means possible that looks like, whether it's through social media or my book that I wrote. I have a couple others already brewing um, or taking opportunities like this to do interviews. And now I'm breaking into speaking engagements. And so really, I'm just trying to live life by the spirit and kind of do what he's asking me. (laughs) So in a nutshell, I'm just somebody trying to live for God. I love that. Just trying to live for God and live by spirit and obeying him. Like that's beautiful. And I sense that in like literally everything you share. So that's amazing. Thank you. Let's let's just dive into your story. I would love for you to take some time this morning and just unpack like what has made you who you are today. Oof. Um okay. So It's funny because I I watched some of the previous stories and there's always that that pivotal moment, right, where people kind of transition into who God has made them to be. And my whole life I've followed the Lord. I've mm-hmm. I've known him since I was little. I'm actually a miracle baby. And so um, I was supposed to have died at birth or have all these issues if I survived, you know. And so my family actually raised me in the faith. And I just, I've always had this connection to God. And, you know, growing up, my parents actually went through a very rocky, very gritty divorce. Um, I actually was molested as a child. Um, We went through social services. Me and my sister were taken away from my parents. Um, There was just a lot of, there was equal brokenness as there was what I could see God's hand of protection over Mm -hmm. my life, right? And so eventually what happened is there was restoration in my family. Things got resolved. And I was actually, my dad came to know the Lord. Wow. 
I can go into that in more depth at some other point, but just to keep it brief, it was that turning point. It was all of the the destruction of having um, broken individuals in relationship and then facing life, right? As new parents, as young parents, all of that. And then even the stuff that happened to me as a child, there was like verbal and physical abuse, stuff like that, being involved in social services, seeing other children who were going through that kind of stuff at a very young age it forced me to grow up mentally and emotionally very quickly. Mm. And so what happened was when my dad became a believer, he led me to the Lord at the age of seven. And my whole family, one of my uncles was actually, um, was actually murdered. Mm. And when he was murdered, it, it sparked this catalyst of my family really coming to know God. Um, And so with that being said, I had this this uh, background of being raised in church around uh, spirit-filled believers. And that's what really set me up to kind of live out my whole life. So fast forward, I, I followed the Lord my whole life. Um, I was involved in youth group, all of that stuff. And I moved out to LA. I moved out to LA to be an actress. I felt God impressed on my heart that he was going to bring me to California. I was already acting in plays within my church and I was getting the lead and it was crazy because the most, the most fantastic part about that wasn't the performance side, right? I, I loved getting to be on stage and be in these stories mm-hmm. that I would watch the altar calls happen afterward and you would just see people flood to the altar. And then sometimes there would be days where they'd be like, we're going to extend the show one more day. We're going to extend the show one more day. We're selling out. We're selling out. That for me was the most beautiful aspect of being able to use a gift that I felt God had given me. So I felt him calling me to LA. I moved to California, 18, fresh out of high school. Wow. I got accepted to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, had a small scholarship and moved from a small town in Española, New Mexico, of all places, right? If you go through there, you'd be like, hmm, interesting. Um, what marks this is the fact that we have a Walmart um, and two Sonics. So uh, <laughs> that's awesome. we're, yeah, we're up there. So when I moved to California, it was like shell shock. I moved to the big city for the first time on my own and mm. immediately felt like I was exactly where I needed to be. Mm. I, did, I pursued acting for seven years after graduating college. Uh, I got signed with an agency across the board almost within months of graduating. Um, mm. I got my SAG card not long after that. And it was just small projects here and there until I landed like a national commercial in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, mind you. So the fact that I booked a Spanish national commercial, I was like, okay, Lord, you're just showing off. Um, but with that, God began to take the love of acting away um, because the only roles that I was starting to get were things that I knew weren't honoring him and they weren't things that I felt comfortable doing. Yeah. And so um, I don't know if you've ever been in a season where God begins to say, hey, I, I know you're gifted in this or I've given this to you, but I, I'm going to ask you to, to give it back to me. He asked me to lay it down. And so I did. I called my manager and I said, I need you to fire my agents. I'm walking away. I'm done. He's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know yet, but I'm not doing this. And um, God actually told me you're going to go into personal training. So I navigated into personal training. I locked myself away in my room. I studied books. I went through online courses. I fasted during the whole testing process came out and he told me I couldn't pursue acting. He he stripped me of my full-time job and was like, you're going to do this full-time. And I remember taking that step of faith and it took a while to build, Emily. I was like, how did I go from having consistent income to now I'm only making $250 a month, Lord. And I'm over here believing that this is what you've called me to. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And I I just felt the Holy Spirit just like anointing me 
to be able to do that. I remember I started, I started uh, getting connected to people who'd be like, I need you to come teach at my small gym and we're going to create classes for you. And God just opened up door after door. And then by word of mouth, I went from having one sweet client to having a few to teaching multiple classes, to being asked to come teach, to being asked to come train corporately within these like these gyms. I remember I got bought out by this um, this company and they're like, we want you to come teach weekly classes to our staff and you're going to get like a weekly check just for walking through the door. And I was like, heck yeah, this is great. Um, and so God God developed that that coaching, training, leadership aspect. And then after seven years, God began to close that as well. Um, and he did that through um, a lot of heartbreak. So in 2017, in 2016, he told me, I'm going to shift you. And in 2016, I was thriving, right? I was, I was making the most I had made so far in personal training. And I was, I was thinking, oh, we're just going to keep climbing. I was training uh, an international pop group at the time called Lush. I was training them for their tours to get them all cute for their tours. I was on payroll for a, a company. I was training their staff. It was easy. It was it was like clockwork for me. I was teaching multiple classes. I was fitness modeling. I was doing all of this stuff, and I just felt like I get to play and help people be strong. What like what more do I need? Well, God told me He was going to shift me, and I was in a relationship I thought was heading towards marriage. We had a strong community. I had all my friends. My sister had moved to California to be with me. We were living together, and uh, the start of 2017 kicks off. My grandmother passes away, and she was she was the one who spoke in faith over me when I was born. And she told the nurses, basically she told the nurses, be quiet. My God is bigger than you and your medicine and my granddaughter's going to live, right? She was the one that was visiting me almost Mm -hmm. every day at the neonatal center at the hospital I was airlifted to as a newborn preemie. And so when she died, something broke Mm -hmm. on the inside of me. Like I literally felt her passing. I woke up from my sleep with a gasp because I, I felt just this, this, this sense of something's gone. And within a matter of minutes, I got the phone call that my grandmother had passed away. Mm. And that moment shattered me. But what it did is it, it created this ripple effect because for the first time I experienced grief mm. in a way that I, I couldn't manage. Right. And so if you can imagine, I was used to running things. I was used to being in charge in control, the leader, always planning. I was actively involved in my church. I normally was called into leadership positions, you know, whether it was like leading the serving team or being on prayer or whatever. And all of a sudden I felt completely at a loss on how to operate like myself. And mm-hmm. it started to affect my training. And then my health kind of went south and my health started to get affected. And I couldn't train to the ability that I could, or used to, I couldn't um, teach classes the way that I used to. Everything began to kind of like cave in on me. And then my clients began to drop me because of one financial thing over another. And so all of a sudden my finances are dwindling. And so I have grief, I have my finances, I have my health all getting hit at the same time. And then my boyfriend at the time broke up with me and told me he didn't love me. Um, and so the whole, the whole dream of marrying him and building a future with him and everything that I had kind of thought was going to be my future got ripped out from underneath me and then a lot of our community which were mainly his friends first mm-hmm. kind of dissipated and walked away and so now I I don't have the same friend group really mm-hmm. I'm trying to go back to my old friends that I had before I was dating him and the relationships had changed the dynamics had changed and so I um I was very broken mm-hmm. so I 
living in LA, I was uh, just remembering all the good times that I had and becoming very jaded and bitter and angry. And so what I did is I ended up moving to Houston, Texas to go start a faith-based fitness company with uh, one of my friends and she, her and her husband took me in. And then that whole dynamic kind of began to shift because living with newlyweds was very difficult. Trying to start a company with one of my best friends who's now a newlywed and building a life with her husband, I ended up not being able to put in the effort. And I'm still struggling from the grief and the loss of everything. I hadn't healed. I hadn't mended so in 2017, all of that happened. By 2018, I moved to Houston. Now I'm in a brand new city without really friends trying to start a business when I'm not even healed. Yeah. And I, I fell to depression and anxiety. I was getting suicidal thoughts because I just was like, what have I done with my life? Yeah. And there was this part of me that was like, God, why would you allow, why would you allow all this? I was doing what you asked. Mm-hmm. And I remember God just kind of gently holding me through all of it, even though it didn't make sense, right? And mm -hmm. so I ended up doing this long distance dating relationship with this guy that I met who was living in Ohio. And so my quick band-aid fix to everything that I was feeling was, oh, I'm going to dive into this relationship because maybe it'll fix the rejection that I feel from my ex. It'll fix not feeling like I'm making progress in my life. It'll fix all of these things. And I ended up uprooting my life, leaving Houston, going even further, and ending up in Ohio. And in Ohio, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to Ohio, um, they considered negative degree temperatures weather. And I wasn't equipped for that. I came from California. And I just remember being in this relationship and, and the childhood abuse that I mentioned earlier. And even what happened as being molested, all, all these triggers started coming up in this relationship. Certain things that were said, which they could be the most simple things that nobody would even realize. But for some reason, I was getting triggered and I was being forced to face traumas and wounds and brokenness in a way that I never had to deal with. I was able to push through them my whole life up until this moment. And eventually what happened is I, I had to end my relationship because I was so broken. I couldn't even, I couldn't even function. I couldn't be in it. And at this point, I, I barely had gotten a job, right? I went months without work. I still am losing so much finances. I'm bleeding financially because of all my moves. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember just, I, I wrote an email basically saying that I was ready to be done with life unless I got help. And so I sent it to my family and my closest friends and my then boyfriend, and he ended up forwarding it to the pastors of the church that I was going to with him out in Ohio. They actually sponsored some uh, Christian therapy and they, they got me connected to resources to get me into Christian counseling. And I started going through counseling and in that process, God began to reveal kind of the purpose in the pain that I was going through. And it's what birthed the book that I wrote called Festival in the Desert because I wanted to understand, okay, God, if you're, if one of your like commands essentially is to rejoice in our suffering, what does that even remotely look like? Because in full transparency, this sucks and this is not fun. I don't even know how to be happy right now because I feel like I'm at a loss. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to give you. And it was in Ohio that God literally said, would you give me yourself? Mm -hmm. And he asked it in a way that I didn't 
fully understand. But you know, when you're asked a question, you don't understand and you just, you know, you need to give an answer. So you just are like either yes or no, right? So he asked me so many times, would you be an alabaster jar? Mm-hmm. And he, he said it, he said it several times, like, would you be an alabaster jar? And finally, I was just tired of hearing, hearing it. Like, you know what I mean? Because you know, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you're just like, what is that? Um, I finally was just like, yes, Lord. I don't know what it means, but yes, you know, because I'm just like, my answer is going to be yes to you. It's always been yes. This is it, it couldn't get any worse, right? So yes. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I began to encounter him in a way that he began to heal just some of the deepest parts of my life. And he uprooted, he was uprooting pride. He was uprooting these ideas of, of the way that I saw my identity, right? Sometimes he has to do that. He has to wreck how we actually see ourselves. And so it's interesting that we're doing a becoming me call and beco- the becoming me process for me was understanding who he is first before I can be like, well, who am I? Cause it doesn't matter at the end of the day. If I don't see myself as a daughter of God, if I don't see myself as a child of God, then nothing else matters. Cause my identity was caught up in leadership. It was caught up in being strong. It was caught up in, you know, being an executor and getting things done and just kind of like, running through walls, right? That's how I saw myself. I saw myself as a protector. I saw myself as all these things. But when all of those very things were threatened and the only strength that I did have was Christ himself, something actually changes in that moment of how you really see yourself because you understand your frailty in a way that you couldn't before. And so I moved back to LA, Um, the pandemic hit. And I said, okay, God, you have my full attention. I can't struggle. I can't strive. I can't keep stringing together four or five jobs to get back on my feet. I, I have no choice. I'm on unemployment. What do you want me to do with this money that the government's giving me for free? Cause I don't want to just hoard it. Right. And he was like, sit down, write your book. Mm-hmm. And I did. And it was one of the biggest healing processes of my life to face all of that. And then also face the hard parts of me that led to some of the decisions that I made out of brokenness and understand that there was still so much grace in that. And so now the book has been out. Um, I'm starting to get speaking engagements and I I get to speak from a place of being able to relate to people because I think now more than ever, depression, anxiety, identity crises are at an all-time high. And I don't think that people really understand the depth of where that comes from. And I think sometimes out of our own fear and out of our own, the enemy tries to shame us, right? He tries to guilt us and tell us, well, If you're not perfect, then this, well, if you're afraid, then you don't trust God or you don't really know who you are. And all these lies can begin to be whispered to us. And so one of the things that I feel like God is doing now and what he's trying to hone in me is how can I speak to that and point people to Jesus where they can fall at his feet and actually experience his grace and his love and his compassion in a way that shows them not only who he is, but who he really sees us as because Mm -hmm. of Jesus. That is so powerful. I mean, thank you for unpacking your journey, your story, who you are, who you're becoming and what God is even doing in your life right now in this season. Like so powerful. I don't take it lightly. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And, you know, you've already shared some encouragement for us on our becoming journeys woven throughout your story, but I would love to just ask you this question. I already know you're a coffee drinker because we've been talking about that and our love for coffee, coffee cups. Right. And so, you know, but I do, I don't know, how do you drink your coffee? Like what's your go-to coffee order or how do you know? It depends on my mood. Right. So if listen, I'm a 
typically I mean, okay, this is hard because I just love coffee. Um, I'm, I'm typically, okay, my morning cup, okay. my Bible time with Jesus or catching up with a friend is typically just an organic brew, uh, French press. Mm. I put a scoop of collagen. Yes. Like flavored collagen powder with some coconut sugar. Ooh. And I whip with like a little whipper, you know, and um, I add some mushroom powder to it for my oh. immune immune system because uh, I'm still healing my adrenals and all of my immune system from years ago. And that's usually my go-to with cinnamon. Okay. Now, if I'm out and about, your girl likes an iced coffee, typically a cold brew because I like that little mm, or my signature is two shots of espresso over ice, splash of cream with cinnamon. Ooh. Okay. All of this sounds delicious. And I want to like, yes, I just love it. And I'm with you. So if you were like, let's say we're out, we're out and about, and you're going to have that iced coffee with the little, oomph. I like how you said that. That was so fun. And you're having this cup of coffee with someone else, like a friend, right? A fellow warrior friend, you're meeting up at a coffee shop and y'all are chatting, you're talking, and then you just want to encourage them as they're on their own becoming journey. What would you say in that moment? I think based off of what, what our conversation is like, right? I think more, more often than not, my encouragement is that Jesus loves them. Yeah. But beyond that, because I, I, I like getting to know people. I like getting to talk to them. I love getting to see them open up and share more about themselves. But from my experience, my encouragement would always be to not be afraid to be messy. Not Don't be afraid to be messy, especially when it comes to God. Because I think so many times we want to bring these perfect personas before God. And I think that's what keeps so many people at bay is because some people live on, oh, I'm just a good person. So I'm a good person, right? And other people, other people live so far on the other side of the spectrum where they're so afraid and ashamed by everything that they've done that they don't feel worthy to be able to come to him. Yeah. And so one encouraging thing that I often share is that God is not afraid of our mess. That's the point of Jesus. Like he came to redeem that. He came to restore that. And so whatever people are walking through, there is grace for that. But that grace doesn't leave us where we are. It changes us and takes us to where he sees us, what he already sees us as. And so I think the encouragement would be like, don't be afraid to get real. Don't be afraid to get vulnerable. Don't be afraid to fall apart because Jesus can handle it. And we have such a loving father that so many people fear that he's just this God with these ridiculous rules and this harshness and this cruelty. And that he just allows all this bad stuff to happen, but they don't understand the redemption story and how Jesus actually sympathizes and relates with us by coming and being made flesh. And so the encouragement is he gets it and he understands you and he wants to be there for you. And I think for me, I was afraid of bringing the full mess because then it would, it would shatter the facade that I was this, I have it all together girl and I'm your strong girl, God. But the question, will you be an alabaster jar? It means, will you bring all your brokenness? Will you shatter yourself at my feet? So I can reach the valuable contents that I placed inside of you and it can become a pleasing aroma to me and be poured out as the anointing of your very life in order to glorify me. What does that look like? And that looks like, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to come to him with your mask. Because at the end of the day, 
He wants to scoop you up and hold you close enough to hear his heartbeat. And that heartbeat will not only tell you of his love for you, but of what he has planned for you. Oh, that is so powerful. Like, thank you for sharing that. So encouraging. You know, for those who are watching or listening to your Becoming Story today, and they're like, I really need to read Laureen's book, or I want to follow her on Instagram. I got to get to know this girl more. Like, you're such a warrior. How can people find your book? How can they connect with you and follow along on this journey? Yeah, so my book is available on multiple platforms. Uh, The easiest typically is Amazon, Festival in the Desert, Learning to Rejoice in Difficult Seasons of Life. If my last name is hard to spell, just look up Lorene Alexa. Um, It's also on westbowpress.com, christianbook.com, walmart.com, basically almost every.com at this point. Um, Praise God. But it's uh, for Instagram. My handle is just Lorene Alexa, which is my first and middle name. So it's Lorene with two E's, A-L-E-X-A. Amazing. And y'all, we will have all of the links in the show notes. You can easily click them and you can connect with Laureen. Like Laureen, thank you so much. You inspire, you encourage me. I'm so glad that God crossed our paths and that we get to experience this warrior friendship on this becoming journey. And I'm just in your corner cheering you on big time. Likewise. Thank you, Emily. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv.